Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show by Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? Yeah, good. I want to talk another style this week. Okay. This week we're talking power. Power. You better do what I say. <laughs> Jokes aside, so power, it's a style. So we've covered a bunch of the different mm. styles in the circumplex and the LSI. We've done a bunch of the constructive styles. Now we're going through some of the aggressive defensive ones. What I'd love to talk about is, you know, talk about what it is, how it might show up and, and how we can work with it. What what can we do to maybe be more effective than the power style? What I'm kind of assuming is that the person listening to this is either about to coach someone who's got this in their profile, or maybe they've just been coached and they have this in their profile. Yeah. So thinking of that person, you know, how can we help them? How can mm. we talk it through? So I guess starting starting at the start, what is power? Okay, power is at eight o'clock in the circumplex. Mm. So it's down well and truly in the security zone, and that means that it's a defense. So it's a strategy, a defensive strategy that we use when we're feeling insecure. Okay, uh-huh. now what power's about is actually I feel more secure if I can control things and I can control people. Uh-huh. I feel more secure if I can dominate them. Okay, so if I can make you do what I want you to do, I feel keeps me safe. Keeps me safe. Yep. Now that's at a very high level, okay? But essentially, it comes from a belief that I can't trust others. Uh-huh. And that belief may have been learnt quite early where, you know, people may have let me down uh-huh. and it hurt. And so then I learn I have to do everything myself. Uh-huh. And if it's going to work out, I'm the only person that can do it. Uh-huh. Okay. So it comes from that essence. So then at a high level, it's really about control, domination, coercion, bullying, Uh, okay, in order to get my own way. At a lower level, it's really about being self-sufficient, operating independently, being able to run things on my own. That can be useful. It can be useful to be independent. At that lower level, it can also be around being prepared to take charge, okay, which can also be useful. So, you know, sometimes we have, when I'm debriefing someone, I say, but surely someone has to take charge sometimes. Sure. Um, You know, they have to step up. I say, absolutely, but it's how you do it, okay? So if you're high in power, people are experiencing that it's my way or the highway. Mm. There is no other way to do it. Mm. And there's almost a, if you don't agree, there's a, a bullying response. It's aggressive, it's abrupt, it's dictatorial. Mm. And if I don't do what you want me to do, then people might perceive that you get vengeful, Mm. you know, and Mm. that you try and hurt them, force force them Mm. to do it. I always think, though, on your point of, you know, there's useful things about it, at the heart of it can be quite different, is that it's a bit of, if you want a job done right, do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think ultimately under that is I want a good outcome. Yeah, You know, for the company or whatever the context might be. I want a good outcome. And so I'm going to make sure things happen. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of control it. The problem is as that gets higher and higher up, 
what's the implication of that? Yeah. If I'm always doing it myself or it always has to be my way, what's the implication of that? How might that impact our effectiveness? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Corinne, Mm -hmm. because this one's thrown at me sometimes. People say, don't you need a certain amount of power to kind of stand up for yourself and, you know, be yourself and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a really, I get that a lot too, where people are really just trying to work out, you know, get their heads around the style. So sometimes people say, don't you need a certain amount of power? So people talk about being in your power. Personal power. Personal Mm -hmm. power, which we see as being a positive thing because you're going to stand up for yourself. You're going to stand up for what you believe in. But that isn't this sort of power. So that kind of power, being in your power, personal power, being able to say yes and no when you need to. Knowing myself, confident in who I am. Mm. That's self-actualizing. Okay, That's the ability to be confident and comfortable in myself enough that I'm going to ask for what I need, that I'm going to push back if it's not something that I agree with. But power in the circumplex at eight o'clock is power over. It's power that seeks to dominate because dominating you is what's going to make me feel more secure. Uh It's what's going to make me feel more safe. Uh Whereas the being in your power, personal power, is really coming from a a growth, a satisfaction orientation. Uh So does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I remember a, a debrief I did once, Corinne where the person said, you know, I want to grow power because yeah. it wasn't very high yes. on the circumplex. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I, I want people to land on their own conclusions, right? So I said, why don't we check out the items that are under power in the LSI and tell me which one you want to grow? And so he started reading it, and, of course, it's things like it's uh, seldom admits mistakes, resists suggestions made by others, little confidence in people, you know, and so on. I asked, which one do you want to grow? And I said, none of those. <laughs> but I think it's that kind of definitional thing that you're talking about, right? How people, because that word, I guess, can be used in different ways yeah, than just the one we kind of used yeah. to define it. And in recent years, it's been used to be personal power. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of positive connotations with power if you look at it from a satisfaction orientation. But on the circumplex, we're really talking about the power over others, the need to control, the need to dominate in order to feel safe. I need you to defer to me so that you're not a threat to me. Uh. That's the kind of power that we're talking about here. You know, and sometimes it's helpful to think about because people say people still want a bit of it because, you know, you need somebody to be in charge, you need somebody to step up. What I would say is remember that power is a defensive style. Yep. So the essence of power is it's like you've got your shield and your sword ready uh-huh. to lunge and parry before anybody said anything. Okay, so power can be a bit of an armor, you know, whereas remember we talked about where it comes from. At some point in my life, I learned that I couldn't rely on anybody else. People weren't trustworthy. Mm. You know, and if you've learned that very young, then we build armor around us. Right. And if we take that into our adult life, then we are almost primed, ready, because we come from a place of belief where I can't trust you. Yes. And so, 
you know, we may still want the best outcome because it's task oriented. So we might be trying our intention may be about excellence. It may be about even doing the right thing. Uh. But our approach to getting that achievement or accomplishment is to drive it ourselves, almost use other people as to do it, you know, legs and arms, my Uh own. Yeah. So you're not really looking to empower them. You're kind of using them to help you do what you need to get done. Now, most people I work with with a bit of power, that's not their intention. But somehow that's that's how it can come across to others. So I think one of the things that's important with all of the, especially the aggressive defensive styles for practitioners is to remember that very few people get up in the morning mm. deciding that they're going to get their kicks from bullying somebody that day and that it comes from a lesson learned, a life lesson. And sometimes people are protecting themselves in a way that comes across as dominating and controlling and aggressive because it's underneath it all, it's just too scary to feel like I don't have control. You know, and it's funny because, again, as on the previous podcast where we talked about oppositional, I think you lose influence eventually because people are like, wow, you know, Dominic's always going to be that way. He's throwing the toys again kind of stuff. And they start sidestepping you. Yeah. You know, and putting you in positions where you actually don't have people under you and stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, because you're not developing people for starters. You know, like I remember a case, and I've probably told this on the podcast before, of a guy who's an operational role, knew a lot, right? He was a fountain of knowledge. He really did, highly experienced, knew lots of stuff. But they moved him into a position where he had no direct reports. He was just kind of an advisor. It was this kind of ambiguous role that didn't exist anywhere else in the world, right? An advisor, kind of a dotted line manager, almost. Yeah. And look, he knew a lot, but it would happen where people would come to him and say, I won't use the name, but manager, you know, we've got this situation, we could do A or B, and it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, I think we should go with A for this and that reason. And he would say, no, B is what we should do, of course. What are you thinking? You know, of course you do B. Okay, go away, do B. Two weeks later, basically the same situation, slightly different, comes up. You know, we've got the situation, we could do A or B. I think we should do B because of this reason, like you said last time. No, it's A, <laughs> right? And so where does that leave the person reporting into them? Confused. Confused. Yeah, and now, intimidated. And now I'm either completely dependent on going to them for the answer because I actually can't work out what the answer is because it just depends on their yeah, feeling yeah. on the day. So now I'm completely dependent. I yeah. can't make decisions. And also the organization's got a bottleneck around Total one person. Bottleneck. <laughs> you know, so yeah. and that's what you said before, power if you use it too much, too frequently. So the the higher the color, the more people associate that behavior with you. Right. And that means that you're using it frequently enough for it to be the main thing that people associate with mm-hmm. it. Now, it may be that you isolate yourself from people around you because it's not a behavior that people want to be around. And as you said, you lose your influence. And I also know of organizations where they value the person's knowledge, but that person is not going to be a leader of leaders or a leader of people. They won't get promoted because they are not able to lead people. So often if you're stuck in power, 
you're more telling mm. and directing and it's more supervisor. It's not leadership. Mm. It's old style boss. Mm. Okay. And that isn't helpful always because the higher you go up, um, the leadership's changed. The more you've got to get people to want to deliver and to, as you said, develop them to be able to deliver from their own talent and their own strengths rather from the way that you think it ought to be done. And you know what? Because oh, really when you're leading from power, you're leading from positional rank and authority. Yeah. yeah. Right? I have the title. I've got the business card that says you have to do what I say kind of stuff. Yeah. But that doesn't pair with respect. Or loyalty. Or loyalty. Yeah. You know, and ultimately people who get the most done, it's like because I respect what you know, what you bring to tell, how you interact with me, you know, our relationship is what I respect and I'll go the extra mile for you because yeah. of that relationship. Yeah. Whereas power is just a compliance almost. It's forcing compliance yeah. to it. Wow. And it's, it's not even that it's the right thing necessarily, but you said something there that reminded me that one of the things that I say to leaders, especially if they're power, if you're the leader, you've already got the authority. Yeah. You, you don't, don't need, need to prove to it. Slam your fist down or yell at people or bully them into doing it because you've already got the authority. So, if you've got the authority, asking should be enough, you know, supporting and asking should be enough. And if it's not enough, then there's something else that's happening there that you need to attend to. The other thing is, leaders who have got a high amount of power tend to step in and be overly involved in tasks and activities of every day. And from a practitioner point of view, the question that I always think about is, do you have somebody that you pay to do that? <laughs> and Great question. Say, yeah. So that's either going to be a waste of money because you can do it. I was, was going to say, what happens if they follow it up with, yeah, I should get rid of them? <laughs> well, you know, either because often it'll be complaint that they don't have enough time to do any of this work right. and build constructive. Okay. If you've got somebody to do it, are they good at what they do? And sometimes they say, yeah, they are. Okay. Well, why are you doing their job? Because you just wasted a whole lot of money on your payroll. Uh. They could have gone. So I think that can help leaders understand, particularly if they're time poor, often people who, leaders who've got this level of power will end up doing too much, being involved in too much. And A, they've got people who can do it. So if they're not the right person, go and get the right person. Or pull back so then you can claim back some time to spend on the things that you ought to be focused on but not getting around to. And the other thing is around stepping back so you can allow people to develop. So one of sometimes people get perfectionistic and power confused because they both have an element of not trusting. And, and kind of of control because it and can be control, kind of micromanaging yeah. and perfectionistic. But they're for different reasons. Yeah. So with perfection, I will control and I may not trust because I'm after perfection. So mm. I'm after a specific high standard and it Impossibly has to look like that. Impossibly, it has mm -hmm. to look like that. Whereas with power, it's more that I don't trust you. Mm. You know, it has to be me who does mm. it mm. or I have to force you to do it my way. So it look similar, but they're coming from a different angle. Perfectionistic is more about wanting perfection, you know, not not able to tolerate any result that doesn't look the way that I think it should look. Whereas power is, I don't think that I can trust others to actually get the result. And it goes back to this conversation we had on the last podcast of the tactical one versus the strategic yeah. one. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you can force the decision and 
get things done a certain way. But does that help you achieve the long-term goal? Probably starts inhibiting it at some point. Yeah. What else, if someone's just done an LSI and they're high mm. in power, what else could they be doing differently or thinking differently? Mm. You know, what are some tips for Yeah. Them? So if you've got your LSI and you've just learnt that you're higher in power or higher in power than you want to be or be seen at, you've got a couple of choices. So one choice is that you need to really start focusing on the relationship, so a humanistic, encouraging and affiliative. So the constructive style opposite power is affiliative, which is really I get enjoyment and satisfaction from being around people, from talking to people, from working with people and cooperating. So it's completely different to running things on my own. So some of the things that you can do is start to, if you wanted to move to relationship, build a relationship, is start to spend more time with people. So instead of kind of cutting to the chase and telling people what you want from them, Spend a bit more time getting to know them. Walk the floor. Have the chat, the smiles. You know, sometimes leaders who are really task-focused only see value in talking to people if it's to get something done, whereas the value in talking to people is really to help motivate them, to help them get to know you so that they understand what you need from them. So you can walk the floor, take some time with coffee, take some of your people out for take some time with coffee, take people, (laughs) you know, take some time with people, get to know them more personally, spend some time in your one-on-one meetings, not just on what, not as a whip, just on work in progress, but, you know, how are they finding the work, you know, is there anything, career development opportunities. So that's all the relationship stuff. If you're peers, working with peers, you could, instead of deciding what has to be done and then telling them that that's what you're going to do, Start to involve them in your thinking. So it's Mm. earlier, it's a more collaborative, you know, bring them into your thinking early so that they can talk to you and you can have a collaboration around it. Sometimes if you're very task-oriented, it can be difficult to move to affiliative or to humanistic encouraging because it just doesn't feel authentic and it's kind of like a bridge too far. So. If that's what's happening for you, and often for someone who's very task-oriented, it's not that they don't care about people, it's just that their motivation is about making a difference through their work. And so in that instance, focus on moving, on redirecting your attention to achievement. So if you're going to, in the first instance, it feels like it might take you a while to build that relationship capacity, then move to achievement. Think about what the goal is. And the key difference, I think, you'll know that achievement's different is when you are more prepared to involve people in the planning, sharing the responsibility, but also taking soundings on the idea before you move forward with it. And it's really about focusing on the goal rather than on the where you need to go versus how it needs to be done. Uh, I love that. I was just looking at the items, you know, and it echoes yeah. some of the conversations we've had earlier. Earns other confidence, respect. Yeah. Right? That's what we talked about. Shares responsibility well. Yeah. Right? Actually sits under achievement. But then lots of the other things, sets own goals, achieving, results-oriented leader, which is what you're talking about right now. What's yeah. the outcome we're looking yeah. for? Yeah. Right? And there might be different ways to get there, yeah. actually. Yeah. Right? And I think 
the key thing is for someone who's coming from power, and it might, for a practitioner, I think it's not about trying to make them go to achievement. Really what's needed is some um, space and curiosity from the practitioner to really genuinely talk about, because if you've got somebody who really doesn't see the value of going to constructive and they're really attached to power, it's really about spending some time to understand what they think they're getting, the payoff, and what is the loss, okay? Mm. What would be too hard about letting that go? But really seeking to understand as a practitioner and then talking about the different way of achieving the same needs in a Mm. way that's less damaging to your relationship Mm. and getting, you know, as a practitioner, helping the leader explore what's the impact, what's the cost of maintaining that power-oriented style. And the thing is, too, with the achievement, I am results-oriented. I am interested in setting my own goals, but I'm not interested in getting there by diminishing people or making people meet my, my needs. So the difference is that achievement, I'm confident in myself that I can share the responsibility. Uh. Okay. I, I'm confident that confident enough in other people that I believe that working with you will help us achieve it. And that's really what happens in the power. I have to let go. I have to find a way to regain that belief in others and trust in others. And so it might mean that you start small. You start look at your most competent team member and you start to delegate a little bit more to them. So I think delegation's the other thing that you can do as a, a leader that's um, showing up as power is start to delegate more, but do it to people who are the most competent in your team. Help yourself learn how to be less rigid and prescriptive and command and control around your ideas. You know, start letting people take some of that load. That's the other thing is other people are there to help. You know, you don't have to do it on your own. Yeah. And on the delegating to the most competent people, even the ones who aren't as competent, how are we growing them? Yeah. And that might not be giving them a really challenging assignment or a really important assignment, but how are you stretching them to grow their capability? Otherwise, they're never going to do it. And exactly. you're always going to be doing it yourself. So. And you'll always be in that cycle where of blame. I can't, I can't let anyone else do it. Yeah, yeah. How are you moving forward? Yeah. Good question to end on. How to move forward. Yeah. As in? For them, if I'm stuck in the power zone. Right. Right? So that's a good question to end on. (laughs) Thanks for your time today, Corinne. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.